Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. Amen, amen. How many believe that God's able to do anything? How many believe that God's able to do anything and everything? Oh, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing already. Man, I feel faith in this place. Let's praise him. Lord, we praise you, Jesus. God, we praise you, Lord. Come on, you need something from God. You can get it tonight. You can get it right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go quickly to the word of God. Mark chapter 10. Verse 46 through 52, I will not be long tonight, but I do believe that God's going to do something tonight. I believe that God is here in the place, here in this building. And if we will respond to the moving of God, we can walk out of this place getting the answer that we need. Mark chapter 10, while you're going there, I want to give honor to your pastor, to your leadership. I love them very much. Give honor to my wife, my daughter. Thankful to be here. We love this church. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus, and Jesus answered and said unto him, what will thou that I should do unto thee? What a question. God tells uh, Bartimaeus, he says, what do you need? What do you want me to do? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Verse 52, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, your, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on the title, Desperate Faith. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray in faith and believing that God's going to do something, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done. We thank you for what you are currently currently doing and what you're going to do. We bind every every spirit of doubt. We bind every spirit of fear, any spirit of condemnation, any spirit of depression, any spirit of anxiety in Jesus' name. We bind it, Lord. I pray that there would be freedom in this place, that there would be liberty, Lord. We lose faith. God, you said we have the power to bind and lose, so we lose faith in this building. We lose faith in this city. We ask Jesus that your will would be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and ask. Can you clap your hands to him one more time? and give him praise. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Desperate faith. Desperate faith. One of the most important things that we can understand in our walk with God is who God truly is. We limit ourselves. We limit, we limit what God wants, can do in our life because we don't have a, uh, a good understanding of who God is. We limit ourselves and what we are able to see in our relationship with God because we do not have an understanding of who God is. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. It is important that I understand who God is and what God is. God is not an untouchable God. 
God is not a God with selfish ambition. We do not serve a God or we are not under the power of a God that uh, does not care about us. No, in fact, we live for a God and we serve a God that is concerned with every single aspect of our life. He cares about who we are. He cares about what we're doing. He cares about what we go through. He cares about what we struggle with, what we're dealing with. Uh, God is a God that is in tune and is watching everything that goes on with our life. The Bible says that he is a present God. God is a present God. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God sees me where I'm at. That, that, that God sees me when I'm dealing with something or sees when I'm struggling with something. He's a present God. God is not so far in the future that he cannot help me in the present. And God is not so far in my past that he can't help me through my present struggle. But God is a God of the right now. God is a God of the here and now. If I'm struggling with something today, the God that healed me yesterday is the same God that can can help me today and the God that's going to be with me tomorrow is the God that can deliver me from anything I'm going through in the present hear me right now God is a present God God is not bound by time God is not bound by anything that we're bound with God is more powerful than we are God is more strong than we are we serve a God that is powerful and present to heal present to deliver present to save our God is here right now come on if you're thankful for that would you clap your hands thank you Jesus thank you Jesus the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 God uh, he reveals himself to a man named Moses Moses sees a burning bush and he says I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to go to this burning bush and he goes there and as he gets close to the bush God begins to speak to him through this bush and God begins to reveal himself to Moses he says, Moses, you're going to go back and you're going to deliver my people. And Moses says, whose name? What's, the, what's your name so that I can tell the people the name of the God that sent me? God gives an incredible revelatory statement. He says, I am that I am. I am that I am. If you have been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this talked about or you've heard this reference. But basically what God is saying is that he is. He is the answer. He, 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 he has always been and he always will be. He is, the, he is the constant God. He is the same God. He's not different. He's not a different God that was here yesterday. He's not going to change. He does not. The Bible says that, that as people we change. We're, we, we, we're, we're tossed about by waves. We don't have cons consistency in our life. But God is not like that. God is a constant God. He's consistent. He says, I am that I am. Really, what he is letting Moses know is that anything that Moses need or anything that the people of Israel were going to need, God is. Any answer to a prayer that they needed, that they could pray, God is the answer. Any situation they might go through, God is the answer. Any, any, any bit of provision that they might need in their life, it's going to come from God. Why? Because he is. He is the answer. He's the provision. He's the healing. He's the strength. He's the one that's going to fight for them. He is. He said, I am that I am. Go tell the people that the God who sent you is the God that has every answer that you need. The God that sent you is the God that can take care of anything. The God that sent you is the God that can fix everything. Hear me right now. The God that sent Moses is the same God that's in a place right now. And he still is. He's still able. He's still powerful. He's still strong. He's still mighty. 
He said, you go tell my people I am that I am has sent you. The one that's constant, that always has been and that always will be. I am. I am that I am. You read throughout the, you read throughout the Old Testament. God would reveal himself to his people through his name. He would provide for them, and they would call him Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. He would heal them, and they would call him Jehovah Rapha, which means God is our healer. He would, he would bring peace into their, into their life, and they called him Jehovah Shalom. He gave them righteousness. Righteousness was through God. They called him Jehovah Sitkanu. He was revealing himself, different levels of who he was. It was through his name. This is who he was. He was it was a revelation. And, and, and the more time that they spent with God, the more understanding that they got of who this God was. When God provided for him, now they understood that this God that we serve is not just a healer, but he's a provider. They were learning about God. God used his name to do it. And throughout the Old Testament, there's a lot of names. A lot of names. But in the New Testament, there's only one name that we're, we've been given. Only one name that we've been given. An angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. This child is going to be the Almighty King. He's going to be the Messiah. You're going to call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means God saves. Jehovah is salvation. And so the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily. What that means is that all of who God is was wrapped up into the man, Jesus Christ. The God that healed was in Jesus. The God that provided was in Jesus. The God that delivered was in Jesus. The God that went to war for his people was in Jesus. The same God that provided food in the wilderness for the people of Israel was God in Christ, manifest in flesh. He revealed himself under the name of Jesus. So hear me today. I don't need to say Jehovah Jireh. I just need to say Jesus. Why? Because all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. I don't need to say Jehovah Rapha. I need you to heal me, God. Oh, no. I just say Jesus. Why? Because all the fullness of the God. Hey, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The God that is, the God that's constant, came, put himself in a human body, revealed himself as Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus. Name of Jesus, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That word for word is logos. It literally means the divine plan or the thought, the, uh, uh, the self-expression of something. You ever heard the saying, the thoughts of somebody or the, the words of somebody is the expression of who they truly are? We've heard something along those lines. Jesus was the complete, full expression of who God is. Bible says in John 1.14, the word, that, that, that thought, that self-expression was made flesh. He was made human. Verse 18 says, uh, the only begotten of the Father, uh, in the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He has revealed him. What I'm trying to make, uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is that Jesus, the man Jesus Christ, is God. He has revealed God. He was the visible image of the invisible God. This is who Jesus is. This is the importance of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is not a second individual in a triune God. The name of Jesus is the name of the God of all creation. The name of Jesus is the name of the God who created everything that we see. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Peace is in Jesus. Provision is in Jesus. And this is, this is why. This is, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here before we go on. We need to get an understanding of the power of the name of Jesus. Because when I understand the name, I understand God.
When I understand more about the name is his identity. The name is who he is. When, 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 when somebody calls my name, they're calling everything about me. That's who I am. We gotta understand the power of the name Jesus. Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, that God had given him a name which is above every name. All powerful. The name that has authority above anything. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth. We talked about this this morning. Things under the earth. What is he saying? Is that the name of Jesus is the only name that has all authority, the only name that has all ability. This is why we baptize in Jesus' name. This is why whenever somebody was, was baptized in the Bible, they were baptized in the name of Jesus because the Bible says there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. He's talking about the name of Jesus. That's why when they ask Peter what they need to do to be saved, he says you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Hear me, Jesus said, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He said, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Well, Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. So that he's the Father. The Father is in the Son. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What, what he is saying is to go baptize in the name. Why? Because the name of Jesus is what has authority. The name of Jesus is what has power. If you're thankful for that name, would you clap your hands? Everything that I need is in the name of Jesus. Everything that I need is in his name. And so we, we, we understand that this powerful God, this powerful God who revealed himself in flesh, he, this God, Jesus, that is present to heal, Jesus that is present to deliver, the one who, who has chosen to operate and, and, and come to earth and die for our sins, this God, this God who has come in flesh, has chose to operate and work through our lives, in our lives through faith. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. His name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It says, through faith in his name. What name? Jesus. The faith in the authority of the name of Jesus is what healed this man. This man was healed because there was faith. God worked through faith. What was the faith in? The faith was in God. Faith was in the name of Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. That word through literally means a channel. It's the connection from one place to another. Something that, that, that allows a flow from one area to a different area. Faith is the channel that God works through in our life. God works through faith. It is the, it is the channel by which the the physical realm connects to the spiritual. It's faith. It's faith. Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word for substance, uh, it literally means the subsistence or the ground, the ground support. The ground support of things that can happen in our life is faith. That word subsistence, it, literally it says, it's, it's saying that faith makes tangible makes tangible the things that we hope for. It makes, it makes something that's invisible real. It makes something that I can't see real and tangible and something that I can actually grasp. This is what faith does. God works through this faith. This is why he said in verse 6, he says, without faith it's impossible to please God. If I, don't, if I don't have faith or if I don't put my faith in him, God is not able to do what he wants to do in my life. Why? Because God works through faith. 
I can have a revelation of who he is. I can have a revelation of the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. But if I do not put my faith in God, God's not going to be able to work in my life the way that God wants to work in my life. I've got to have understanding, but then I've got to have the faith that, that allows me to move past understanding and go to trust and go to hope and go to begin to getting a hold of it. This is why he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Romans 12.3 says God gives everybody a measure of faith. So God's the source of our faith. And I'm going somewhere with us, I promise. God is the source. So God wants to work in our life. He has the ability to work in our life. He has authority over anything that could hurt us. And he works through faith in our life. And then he's given us the faith that he's going to work through. He's the source of our faith. God did this so that we can connect to him and that we can connect to his will. He has given literally everything that we need so that he can move on us, move in us, help us, heal us, do whatever he needs to do. Why would God do this? Why would God do this? Because there are things that God desires and God wills to do in every single one of our lives. There are healings that God wants to do in our bodies. There are miracles that God wants to give in our life, forgive in our family. There is, there is change, chains or bondage that God wants to break. And there's, there's minds that God wants to put back and emotions that God wants to heal. There's things that he wants to do in our mind. Bible says no mind can see. We can't even think of the goodness of God, the things that God has planned for us. Hear me right now. There are blessings. There are answers to prayers. There are things that God wants to do for you. There is there is things that we can't even realize how amazing it is that God has planned. God wants to do through our life and he's given us faith because he wants to see it happen. And so we've got to take that faith and not just hold on to it and put it in something else other than God, but I've got to put it in the source that's able to actually give me what I need and do for me what I need. I believe, I believe that there are powerful works of God that God has released, that he is waiting for faith to connect to that realm, that supernatural realm, so that can come, that can come to pass. There are things that God has released. He's already desired to do it, but he's waiting for us to put faith in him. Angel came to Mary. When she was telling of the birth, of, he was telling of the birth of Jesus, and he's talking to Mary, and he, he tells her that she's going to have God himself be born from her. This never had happened before. It never would happen again. The most incredible miracle that ever could happen. And Mary makes an incredible statement. She tells, she tells the angel, she says, be it unto me. She says, I hear what you're saying. I hear this, this crazy, unbelievable thing that you're saying that seems so far-fetched or, or unattainable, seems so unreal. But be it unto me. I receive it. I, re I, I hear it, I have faith in it, and so I'm, I, I receive what you're saying. It had never happened before, but the thing that caused Mary to go past hearing the promises of God and go past hearing what God wanted to do was when Mary's faith said, okay, God, I'm not just going to listen to it, I'm not just going to hear it, but I'm going to receive it into my life. What would happen in our lives or what would happen in our families or in our church if we would get the mindset that said, God, be it unto me, God, I receive everything that you're trying to do for me. I receive everything that you're wanting to release into my life. God, be it unto me. A few verses later, it said, Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things that were told her from the Lord. It says she believed because she believed she's going to receive. Could it be? 
Could it be that sometimes we do not receive from God, not because it's not God's will, but because we don't put the faith of the trust in God to receive what he already wants to do for us? Could it be that there are things that we could have already had in our life, but I've never thought to bring it to God because I don't want to deal with the, the feeling of, of, of sadness or rejection when, when God says no? Could it be that I'm scared to ask God for the things that God wants to give me, but I just don't have enough faith to bring it to God in prayer? Could it be? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, looking to show himself strong for his people. That's why we got to come expecting God to move. That's why we got to come. When we step into these doors, we've got to come in faith. Why? Because God's looking to do something great. God is looking to heal and he's looking to provide. He's looking to move on somebody's life. It's who God is. It's who God is. It's who God is. And so we read in Mark chapter 10, we see the story of Bartimaeus. This picks up in verse 46. It says that Jesus and his disciples and a group of people, they came out of Jericho. And as they were leaving out of Jericho, there was a man named Bartimaeus, and he was, he was sitting on the highway side or sitting on the side of the road. He was begging. He lived on the side. He was not in the middle of everything. He was kind of just off to the side of it. And there is a problem with, never, with always being on the side. There's a problem with never getting involved. There's a problem with not getting in the mix. There's a, there's a danger to living a life on the sideline. We might, we might start there, but it is not God's will for all, us always to live on the outside looking in. It's not God's will for, always, for us always to be on the sideline watching everybody else do well or, or watching everybody else receive what they need. Bartimaeus, he lived his life on the side. If I'm going to get what I need, or if I'm going to receive from God what I need to receive, I'm going to have to get involved. I'm going to have to get involved. Can't come to church once a, once a week and then have no relationship with God and expect to receive all that God has for me. I can't come to church every once in a while and, and, and lift my hands and, and do what everybody else is doing and then expect God to move and work in my life like he's working somebody's life who's faithful to God. That's living on the side. You got one foot in and one foot out. Hear me. That's not the relationship that God's looking for. God's not looking for halfway. God's not looking for somebody to be lukewarm. He wants you to be all the way in because when we're all the way in, then we, are, we have the ability to receive the blessings that God has for us. I'll live on the side. Bartimaeus did the same thing every day. He woke up, put his clothes on. He had somebody lead him to his normal place. I'm sure everybody knew Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was that guy. He knew his troubles. You know, here comes Bartimaeus again. He's going to come and he's going to sit in the exact same spot and he's going to do the exact same thing that he's done for years and he's going to receive the exact same thing that he has received for years. Every day, every day he did the same thing. And every day he received the exact same thing. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in Bartimaeus' life. And if Bartimaeus was to keep doing what he had always done, he would always keep receiving what he'd already received. What's interesting about Bartimaeus is he was a beggar. He was living off of other people's blessings. Others would work. Others would go and do what they needed to do, and he would, he would glean a little bit from them. He would get a little bit from, from what other people did. He'd watch everybody praise at church and, and not get involved and say, we had good church. Not pray, not worship, but just be there and receive a little bit from somebody else's con- consecration. 
Hear, hear me. How many times do we come to church and we leave the exact same way that we came? How many times do we come to church and, and we, we, we're, we're there just enough, but we're not really investing anything into it. And all that we're receiving is because of what everybody else is doing. We're living off of other people's blessings. It's not because God wasn't moving, but it's because I'm not involved the way that I need to be involved. Devil wants us to have a beggar mindset. Because I'm never going to get a breakthrough in God if I, if I always live trying to get blessings from other people's work. The devil's content if we live like that because nothing's going to change. He does not mind us getting by on other people's consecration. The devil does not mind us getting by on other people's prayer life. The devil does not mind us coming and feeling uh, the goosebumps from the presence of God because other people are worshiping. He doesn't mind us being beggars because when we live that way, we will inevitably miss what God wants to do in our life. And so when Jesus comes to the building, it's not that this, this Jesus isn't able to heal me. It's not that this Jesus doesn't have the ability to fix my family. It's not that he doesn't have the ability to fix the situation at home or fix the things that I'm going through. It, I'm, I'm living on the sideline. So Jesus comes and he goes. I just get a touch. I don't get exactly what, what, I, what I need. It is possible to miss the moving of God. The Bible says in John 5, the Bible says in John 5 that there was a certain season that the pool of Bethesda would be troubled. And if an individual was able to get into that pool while it was moving, they would be healed. But if they missed it, they, they missed it. There wasn't a second chance. They had to wait until God came back. It's possible to miss the moving of God. It's possible to, to miss out on what God wants to do in our life. And we see the story of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is living on the side of the road, doing what he has always done. And Jesus begins to pass by. Jesus begins to pass by. The sweet presence of God begins to move, and, and God's healing power begins to fill the area, and God's delivering power begins to fill that area. And I don't know how long Bartimaeus thought about it. I don't know if this is something that he had planned on, but there came a point in Bartimaeus' life that he was sick of living the way that he was living. He was sick of getting what he, has, all he had always gotten. He was sick of doing the same thing he needed a change. He, he was sick. He was sick of being bound, sick of being depressed, sick of dealing with fear, sick of going through the same things that he'd been going through for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to pass by. Jesus begins to pass by. He, he had to have heard about the miracles that Jesus did. He had to have experienced it uh, from what other people had, had received or what had other people had saw. But, but something inside of Bartimaeus began to get frustrated with his current condition. And he began to get desperate for something new. Bartimaeus began to get desperate. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just supposition, but bear with me. But maybe Bartimaeus is sitting there thinking, you know what? If he gets any closer, I do not care what I've got to do. I don't care what I've the scene that I've got to make. I really don't care what anybody around me might think. I don't care about anything else but get an answer to my need. I really don't care about what happens. I don't care. This is my only hope. So if it goes bad, so be it. But I really am not worried about what everybody else is doing. Why? Because I'm sick and tired of being in the 
situation that I'm in. And if this is my opportunity, I'd be crazy to let it pass me one more time. And so something began to rise in Bartimaeus' head. I've got to get an answer. I've got to have change. And, and a desperation begins to build inside of him. He heard about Jesus, and it's good to hear about it. It builds faith, but it's not just enough to know about it. It's not just enough to hear. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful when somebody gets healed, and I'm so thankful when I hear a testimony of God moving in somebody's life, and I'll shout with them, and I'll celebrate with them, and be completely true and honest about it. I love it. I'm thankful, but hear me. There are some things that I need from God, and while I'm thankful for your answered prayer, hey, God, I need an answer too, and so I'm glad to hear about it, and I'm glad to shout about it. But you better believe I've got to have some answers from God myself. I'm thankful for other people's revival. Hear me, Lighthouse Church. There's revival out there. I'm thankful for it. But you should not be satisfied with revival in other places. I want revival in Apache Junction. I want revival in this church. I want revival in my family. I want revival in my friends. I, I need a healing for my body. Thank you, God, for everything you've done for everybody else, Jesus. But don't stop there. Do it for me. Do it here, God. Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I don't know what you need, but there ought to be a little bit of desperation that begins to raise inside of you, saying, God, I am sick of living like this. I'm sick of struggling with this, God. My family's got to have a change. Lord, I refuse. I refuse to not get what I need, Lord. I'm getting desperate for an answer. Oh, come on. God's in this place. Hear me right now. Hear me right now. Faith is great, but you ought to put a little bit of desperation with that faith and see what God does. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus. God, I've got to have you move. I've got to have you move. Hear me. I'm almost done. I promise. I'm almost done. I told you I wouldn't go long. Bartimaeus is desperate. Bartimaeus needs an answer from God. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus needs God to move on his situation. And so Jesus comes passing by, and Bartimaeus has a very important choice to make when this happens. As Jesus begins to pass by, I can, I can stay quiet, I can do what I've always done, and I can miss it, or I can make a scene and do something crazy so that I receive what God can do in my life. And the Bible says that Jesus passed by, Bartimaeus began to cry out. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy and you want to know what happened the first time that he began to yell that? Jesus didn't come right up and heal him. But everybody else began to talk. They began to tell him, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Don't make a scene, Bartimaeus. You're embarrassing us, Bartimaeus. Don't, hey, 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 Jesus can hear you fine, but d d just stay there and stay where you're at. Because when we, we begin to get desperate for the things of God and desperate for what God can do in our life, there's going to be a spirit of intimidation that's going to rise up and tell you to be quiet.
and tell you to sit down and tell you not to make a scene because what's everybody else going to think about you if you do something crazy? What's everybody, everybody else is going to know that you're struggling with something if you go to the front and pray. Everybody else is going to think bad about you. What that is is a spirit of intimidation. That's the devil trying to keep you down, trying to keep you away from receiving what God wants to do in your life. And so Barnabas says, Jesus, have mercy in the spirit of intimidation. Says, be quiet. And Bartimaeus, maybe Bartimaeus a few years ago might have been quiet, but the Bible says when they told him to be quiet, he began to shout even more. They said, be quiet, Bartimaeus. He said, no, I got to get an answer. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. No, I need a healing. You're not going to make me be quiet. You're not going to shut me up. Why? Because I'm desperate. I'm desperate for healing. I'm desperate for deliverance. I'm desperate for change. I'm desperate for God to move. I'm not going to be quiet. Think what you want. Say what you want. But I'm going to receive from God everything he has for me. You want to know what desperate faith looks like? Desperate faith says, I really don't care what you think. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound like. Whatever I've got to do, whether i got to dance, shout, run, whatever, God, I'm going to make a scene because i got to have a breakthrough. I come to preach to somebody. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. He's waiting on you to get desperate. It's not time to sit back. It's not time to do what you've always done. But if you need a touch from God, the Holy Ghost is present to heal. God is in this place. But how bad do you need it? How bad do you want it? How how much, how bad do you need God to deliver you? How sick and tired are you of dealing with what you've been dealing with? Because if you're not that sick and tired, you're not really willing to make a have desperate faith. But if there's some inside of you that says, God, I need what you have for me, and I refuse, we got to be like Jacob. Jacob held on to God and says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. We ought to get that in our mind. Said, God, you, I am not leaving this altar until I go away changed. I'm not walking out the door until I receive what you have for me. I'm desperate, God, and desperate times call for desperate measures, God. So whatever I've got to do, I've got to have you have mercy. God, to have you have mercy. God, to have you have mercy on me. Matthew 14, I'm going to end with this. Let's stand. As you stand, let's pray one more time. I'm going to end, but I believe that God's about to heal somebody. I believe God's about to change somebody's life. I don't know what you come in this place needing, but God's able. Hear me right now. You need the Holy Ghost. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. You need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's what he does. That's who he is. Got to make a move. Matthew 14. The disciples are in a boat. They're crossing the sea and they hit a storm. And the storm is rocking the boat, and they're scared, and they're worried, and it's a bad situation. The Bible says that, they, that this, if I'm in that situation, I'm worried. I need help. And it's a desperate situation, so to speak. 
The Bible says they look across the water, and Jesus begins to come across the water. He's walking on the water. Desperate situation, and Jesus comes passing by. Peter, Peter calls out. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Lord, if that is you, tell me to come. And Jesus calls Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. He begins to walk towards Jesus. He sinks. He, he takes his eyes off Jesus. He sinks, and Jesus says, you of little faith. You know what strikes me about that? Peter had a very little bit of faith, and he walked on water. He didn't have a lot of faith. He had probably less faith than a lot of us here in this room have. Little faith. And the incredible thing that happened from a little bit of faith. Why? Because he was desperate. You want to know why desperate faith is so powerful? Because it causes me to do something I normally would not do. It causes me to do something maybe I've never done. It's desperate. God's looking for somebody to get desperate. Get out of the boat. Do something, do something you would never imagine. Do something you haven't done before. But how bad do you need me to move? You hear me right now? If you need a healing in your body, I believe that God is in this place to heal. If you need God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, either a kid, adult, who, no matter what it is, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's who he is. But God's not going to force anything on you. If you need something from God, if you need God to move, whatever it is, it takes us making the first step. Otherwise, he's going to walk through this room and he's going to pass out. And the people, the people who make a move are going to receive what God wants to have. And the people who don't are going to walk out the same way. But hear me today. All it takes is just a little bit of faith. But if you'll couple that faith with desperation that says, God, I'm going to respond. God, I'm going to do. God will begin to move in your life. And so I don't know what you need, but if there's a situation in your life you need God to touch, you ought to come to this altar and begin to lay that need before God and begin to talk. Whatever God tells you to do, you ought to do. But whatever it is, you ought to begin to talk to the Lord about it because you can leave this place changed. You can leave it Come on, come on, let's come. Lift your voice, lift your hands, lift your, come on, talk to God. God, I need you. Hey, it's not a night for cute prayer in the front. It's a night to get desperate before God. Whatever that looks like, that's up to you. But God is here. How bad do you want it? Thank you, Jesus. God, I need you to move. God, I need you to touch. Come on, if you're not praying, find somebody that's praying. Begin to bind together. God's moving. There's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope.